to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Boy, I just got finished bottling my own beer. It's amazing how fast time goes, you know. Such a great feeling. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. From deep underground in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, we're going to call it Fort Chinook. That's where we are. We're hunkered down in Fort Chinook right now. want to welcome you to yet another episode of Three Beers In, the craft beer show, bringing you the latest news and unique craft beer reviews. I am Dom, and this is episode 166, and we are drinking from 2SP. That's the name of the brewery, 2SP. I believe they're out of Pennsylvania. It's called The Russian. And it's an imperial, it's a Russian imperial stout coming in at 9% ABV. It's a little bit dangerous, but I picked a pretty darn good day. It was like 30 degrees this morning. There was a chill in the air. That was, um, it felt like fall to me. Like I just, like it was a fall day. So it's going to do well for me on this day. So sorry there wasn't a show last week. I was just so exhausted. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I was tired, dude. It's been, you know, I'm still going to work. Uh, you know, and actually, you know, uh, a few more people have been coming into work after about a month or so, and they look terrified. You know, for me, it's just, you know, another day at the office, literally. And for these folks, you know, they've been they've been hunkered down. I mean, they've been really just in their houses, not doing anything. So having to come to work, they're petrified. And you could see the fear in their eyes. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, what's going on with people? Like, how how bad is it for some folks out there? But the first thing I'm going to do is uh, to kick this show off. I really uh, need to mention this. I feel really bad because um, this gentleman here, what's his name here? <clears throat> John Merklin, uh, also known as Merck because he signed the email as Merck, uh, from the uh, Beach House Brewery out there in Belmar, New Jersey, uh, messaged me on Twitter because when I put the beer up on the untapped, he had noticed it and reached out to me. And I... I started a conversation with him on Twitter. I said, listen, I'm trying to get the the, the word out for the breweries and, 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 and the like. And he immediately, uh, you know, started chatting with me. He said, you know, try to get our name out there. That'd be really great. And uh, it was really, really a fantastic conversation. He said, um, he gave me the details that I requested. So at the present moment, uh, they're offering in-store pickup. Uh, all employees and customers must follow the social distancing protocols and wear masks and curbside pickup. Uh Curbside and in-store pickup. Uh, customers can call in advance at 732-202-7782. Once again, that's 732-202-7782. Now, at the time of this email, he said they were a few days away from opening an online ordering system along with their house, house to house. That's cute. Your house. They spelt it the H-A-U-S, the German style. Delivery service for the following counties in North Jersey. And they are listed as such. Sussex County, Passaic County, Bergen County, Hudson County, Essex Union, and Morris. Sussex, Passaic, Bergen, Hudson, Essex Union, and Morris. Uh, All other counties can get their product, our product, he wrote, either directly from the brewery or from bottle shops in the area. He wanted to know if there was any more details that I could provide. Uh, But they're located at 801 Main Street in Belmar, New Jersey, that's 07719, the zip code. Let me click on their website real quick now that I that I read the email here and see if there's any update on there. Because this email was written, um, this email was written on the 26th. Man, their beer looks great. Okay, so the home delivery is now available. You can order it online. Sussex, Passaic, Bergen, Morris, Union, Hudson, Essex, Somerset, Middlesex, Mercer, Monmouth, and Ocean Counties. So pretty much a good chunk of 
New Jersey, not so much those outer counties there. To our loyal customers, there's been a state of Madison that can only offer takeout service till 8 p.m. Oh, it's a big burp there that I just had. Pardon me. And really, these this is a, such a nice-looking brewery. I mean, they have such a great look to them. And the thing that really drew me in, I, and I think I talked about it on the show, was I looked at their their beers after I had the uh, the flannel. Well, I, actually, I was looking at it. I was looking at what they had had in their repertoire when I was looking at the uh, the flannel that we did last week, which was really fucking great. And they got a really great lineup of beer. Uh, they got quite a bit of them, and they all they all look very inviting. I really like the look of the place. I really like the style. I would definitely like hit this place up if I was near there. If I, I might make a trip out there. Uh, oh man, they have an Ole IPA and it's got like a soccer ball thing going on. So these guys are really, really smart with what they're doing. I mean, I just think they got a great beer mind, and um, yeah, Beach House Brewery down there in um, uh, Bel was it Belmar? I was mean, gonna scroll all the way down to see. Oh man, my laptop's doing all stupid stuff. Is it Belmar? Anyway, uh, well, yeah. It's Belmar, New Jersey. So really, guys, try to get out there and uh, get these beers because great brewery. Really glad they reached out, and I hope I can do my part and help them uh, best I can. Uh, just another thing I wanted to get to. Uh, I was tr- I'm trying to set up. So now I-, I thought of this the other day. I'm doing all this to try to help out these breweries and stuff like that, and I think it's important. But I never gave anyone the option to try to help me out. Now, not that I need any help. I'm not saying that that's, that's a thing. But... I think I do a pretty good job on the show. I, I think people enjoy the show. I mean, people listen. I, got, I, I see the numbers. There's a ton of people that listen. I get a lot of feedback. So what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to set up an online shop for three beers in shirts and other apparel, other apparel and stuff like that for, uh, from teespring.com. Uh, it's not open yet because I was having a lot of trouble with the formatting and stuff. It's going to be a really, really nice uh, shirt. The colors aren't necessarily exactly the same as the logo. You know, that's going to happen. But it's going to have a nice three beers in logo on the front. And on the back, I'm going to put, I'm, I'm putting a Gemunichheit via podcast. And Gemunichheit, it's hard to say. Gemunichheit means like a cozy feeling, like from drink. Like if you've ever been in a bar, like a cozy bar or like a, your home bar, and you're drinking with people you know, and you see familiar faces around you, and everyone's getting, everyone's at the same pace, everyone's having a great time drinking, that's when that feeling comes. It's it's hard to 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 talk. I mean, there's other cultures that have this word too. They have a word for it, but the most famous one is the uh, the German one. It's in their song "Ein Prosit," uh, which is sang a lot at Oktoberfest. It's a jovial feeling that you get overcome with when you're drinking in a bar or with friends. And I think that I'm trying to capture that now with this podcast. I'm trying to get that feeling with uh, with everybody because you guys are my friends, family, everybody. Uh, you're all my brothers and sisters that listen to this podcast. You're my family. And I want to try to get that warm, fuzzy, cozy feeling from drinking and, and, and package it and put it out there in a podcast. So I think I could do that. So I'm doing that. I'm going to put also, uh, if you don't want to buy a shirt, because I'm going to be fully transparent with the prices. So what Teespring does is you set the price and they take a cut. So this is how it works. Just in case you guys want to make shirts too. You, you make a shirt, you set the price, they take their cut. And as people order, they print them, they deliver them. It's all them them doing it, which is really great for me because I, I'm fairly busy. I don't have the time to open up a store where I have shirts here. And as people order them, I ship them out. It's, it's just totally inconvenient for me. But this makes it a lot easier. So um, I set the price point to $20.99 for the shirt. 
you know, I, I had a friend of mine at work said, put it to $30. I was like, I'm not trying to rip people off here. This is crazy. So at $20.99, I would be making a profit of $2.70 a shirt. Okay. So it's, it's not, I'm not looking to break the bank. I just want to give people the option to wear the shirt. Because there's, there's times where I was like, oh my God, I would love to rock a Bolero Snort shirt, Bolero Snort hat, flagship shirt, flagship hat. I would love to do that because that's your way of like showcasing you're into the craft beer situation, but you're not exactly just carrying around a beer being like, I really like this stuff. So I'm putting that option out there. And I'm also going to try to put on the website, www.3beersin.com. That's two ends.com. If you didn't know, I'm going to put a PayPal link there where um, there's going to be a, a text that says, if you want to buy a round of drinks, if you want to buy me a beer, you could do it by just clicking that link, putting in uh, whatever, you know, PayPal or credit card or debit or whatever. And uh, it's set for $5. So you could donate $5 to the beer fund. And once again, all proceeds of any T-shirts and any donations via the website to the PayPal will only go to beer. It will not go to anything personal. I will not gamble with people's money that is brought in to the, through the show. I will only I will only buy beer with it. That is, that is It's going right into the coffers to buy beer. I won't even buy ingredients to make my own beer. It is strictly for the show. And there's nothing I can improve in terms of equipment. Everything is really fantastic. I, I mean, I got everything down pat here. Nothing like that. It's just going to go to uh, the show itself. Uh, so... Uh, if you guys are willing, you know, I, I didn't give anyone the option. I remember when I was talking to Rob about it back in the day, it was just like, oh, we don't want to seem like we're, you know, money groveling or anything like that. We just, our big thing was just going to try to get donations of beer. Never came to fruition. And by not having a shop where people could order shirts and not having a place where they could donate if they so choose, I'm not doing a service to myself. So, uh, you know, if, if people are willing, they're willing. If they're not, they're not. No big deal. It's not going mean, to, I mean, nothing's going to change for me either way. But I did make a mistake because someone at my job was like, why don't you start a Patreon? And I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I've heard of that. I'll start one. So I started a Patreon. And what that is, is you give people who listen to your content or in your show, like an inside access to stuff, right? And I don't have any inside access to anything. I do a fully public one hour show. There's no behind the scenes I'm not a fucking celebrity to do a phone call with. Like, what are you going to do? Call me up and be like, hey, you're dumb. And I'm like, yeah? Like, I can't charge people for that or whatever. And so the Patreon is just going to die. <laughs> just going to just leave it out there, you know, and, and not do anything with it. So this is going to be my thing. I'm going to set up the shop. And I already ordered one of the shirts myself. I bought one. Um, I liked it. I thought it fit nice. I thought it looks really good. Uh, I'm just going to wash it and then wear it because I don't like wearing Brenner shirts. They smell like vinegar or something like that. And that's it. So I um I, I was really, really happy with uh the beer that I just bottled right now. I cracked that bad boy open. Uh the World Flock tablet did fantastic. I mean, that beer looked really clear going into the bottle. So for those of you that don't know, the World Flock tablet, which is and there's another uh 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 cleaning agent called Irish Moss that's usually used in uh other beers. I mean it's it's it it's a different type of cleaning agent but what it is is you pop that tablet in there or you pop the irish moss in there at the last 15 minutes of your of your boil and what it does is when like it spreads throughout the whole wart or now beer because everything's kind of like ready to go and as it's fermenting it clumps it clumps enzymes together of like different proteins that are in the beer that aren't necessary like and it clumps them together and pulls them down to the bottom and in doing that, it clarifies the beer. And the beer that I made is just a standard pale ale. It looked really, really clear and nice in the in the bottle. I put it in the, uh, you know, I added the priming sugar, 
bottled the beers up. Took me about two hours, uh, which was a lot less than last time and a lot less of a mess too. So again, learning from my mistakes, trying to get things done nice and easy. Capped them all up, ready to go. Going to be two weeks. They're probably going to be ready for um, Memorial Day, which is really neat. And um, yeah, ready for Memorial Day and should be good. We'll see. I mean, it's a pale ale. So um, I'm using extract. So I'm an extract brewer, meaning that majority of the sugars, the fermentables that I'm using are from from are like a dry malt extract or a liquid malt extract. And they're very narrow in terms of scope. If you go all grain, right? Well, you do, you, I do have some specialty grains. So I'll have like a pound of like two row malts or something like that. Uh, but the most of it, like I'll have like seven pounds of a dry malt extract or something like that. And what happens is it's very narrow. There's like several, there's only maybe about five different kinds. So your beer is going to kind of taste similar to that all the time. So when I tasted this beer before I bottled them, they kind of tasted like the whole house stunk, but not as bitter because that was a double IPA. So uh, I hope that once it's conditioned in the bottles and has some carbonation and it's and, and I put it in the in the fridge, it'll look different. It'll taste different. Um, either way, though, uh, the beer wasn't sick when I tasted it, so that's great news. Uh, and and we'll see where we go from there. I'm pretty excited about it. But I've been monkeying around with a lot of recipes, right? And the one thing that, I mean, I've been really just I mean, I've been doing nothing but recipe making uh, while I'm working. That sounds terrible, but. I do my work. I do my work, obviously, but like you know, I'll click around and I'll put, I'll put a recipe together throughout the day. So it'll take a couple hours to put a recipe together. And I really want to make a stout. That's a big thing I want to do. But if you want to make a you want to make a stout, it's a big expense, right? So I paid about thirty five dollars for the pale ale, but I also brought a, a grain bag and the World Flock tablets with that bill. So it was maybe like twenty seven dollars for what I did for this pale ale, so to speak. And it got me. I think I filled up forty seven bottles. Uh, I think I lost a little during the boil, but 47 bottles or so. It's going to cost me $81 to brew a, an extract stout, okay? I'm still going to make one, and I'm I'm having a tough time uh, d- deciding between a sweet uh, stout, like a milk stout, or a Russian imperial stout, which is going to be, you know, obviously more bitter. Uh, the price kind of remains the same uh, because you're going to be using a little bit less sugar for the Russian imperial and more hops. And then for the sweet one, you're going to be using a lot more sweetener uh, and less less hops, you know that's the trade off. And also the uh, the the sweet stout I think was like a ten percent, and the imperial is like a twelve percent. So they're big beers, you know. But for the price, I really want to enjoy it, and I'm scared that this might be the one that I mess up. You know what I mean? I really don't want to screw up a beer because like every beer, I mean, this is my second batch, so I'm not gonna sit here and sound like a fucking like I know what the hell I'm doing, right? Like I'm some sort of professional. But like I'm gonna if I'm gonna be spending. If I'm gonna be spending eighty-one dollars to brew a beer, it, it better that better not be the one that I fuck up because I would be so pissed off. And also, when you're doing a big beer like that, I'm I was con- I'm concerned that it's just gonna end up being just too boozy and not good. You know, that's one of the concerns that I have. But um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm gonna try to brew the Hefeweizen next or the Oktoberfest next, and uh, we'll take it from there. And now the beer quote of the week. With Sir Edward Scrivens Rooney. Hello, this is Sir Edward Scrivens Rooney here. And here's the beer quote of the week. I am a firm believer in the fever. If given the truth, they can be defended upon to meet any national crisis. The great point is to bring them the real facts and the beer. 
This quote is from Abraham Lincoln. Okay, so for the hop of the week here, I'm going to be reading uh, an article because this ties into something that's going to be talked about in uh, the beer news. Uh, so um, this is really interesting. You hear a lot about proprietary hops and designer hops, right? So this is written by Christopher Garn, uh, Barnes at uh, thefullpint.com. Uh, excuse me. Um, and this was written in, uh, I'm assuming, 2007. So it says here, it, uh, 10 years ago in the fall of 2007, uh, 2017, in the fall of 2007, a new hop was released for hop-happy brewers and drinkers. Citra, developed by Hop Breeding Company, was the latest in a growing movement by hop farmers, hop companies, and public agriculture universities of breeding hops for an ever-growing uh, taste for bolder flavors and aromas. Today, beer drinkers eagerly await new beer beers brewed with exciting hops. But until then, there are a wide variety of designer hops to keep uh, hop heads sniffing in their glasses with delight. So here we see that many of these hops are patented, trademarks, and proprietary. Uh, they are developed by private entities who license the hop to prospective growers or maintain the monopoly on their growth. See, this is something that a lot of people who drink these uh, craft beers have no idea that even exists. Uh, this has led to a spike in prices for designer hops that is fueled by both uh, scarcity and demand. They can be many times uh, the price per pound of more available and traditional hops, and there's a movement at public institutions like Oregon State University to develop new varieties of hops that'll be popular and publicly available, allowing more farmers an opportunity to access them. And um, uh, to, uh, to access them. So it goes on to just talk about their, they got crazy, whatchamacallit, uh, profiles, tastes, and aromas. But here are some of the uh, more popular American designer hops. And uh, some information on them. So Simcoe, okay, this is a hop that we always hear about. Simcoe by Acreage uh, is one of the most popular of the new designer hops with 4,331 acres harvested in 2016 alone. It was released in 2000 and is a patented hop, which means it is not available to every grower. Its lineage has also uh, not been released for fear of other farmers uh, will attempt to duplicate it. Simcoe is a dual-use hop and can be used for bittering or aroma. Uh, its main flavors and aromas include passion fruit, pine, berry, and earthy notes. Fans of it describe it as dank. On the flip sides, um, those who don't like Simcoe, and it's the author doesn't like them, himself included, get a disproportionately strong cat pee aroma. I'm okay with the cat pee. Here are some Simcoe-forward uh, beers. We have the uh, Weyerbacher Double Simcoe IPA, New Belgium Ranger IPA. I doubt that it's the same now. Dogfish Head 60 and 90-Minute IPA. Here's another one. Citra. Again, every every hop you're going to hear on this list, you're going to be like, "Oh shit, that's the one to one to." Again, in 2016, 3,918 acres have been harvested. Another proprietary hop, uh, close second behind Simcoe in terms of the acreage. It was developed from Hollertal Middlefrew, U.S. Tetanang, Brewers Gold, and East Kent Golding. In essence, four old world and traditional hops were combined to create one of the poster hops of the modern brewing movement. It's known for its grapefruit, melon, lime, gooseberry, passion fruit, and lychee or lychee. I, I, I never will know what to say. Flavors and aroma. Uh, and of all the uh, designer hops, Citra might be the author's favorite. 
I remember I did Citrus Snuggie from Duclaw, and that was pretty darn good. I like its bright, fruity tones and bitterness that uh, it can impart if used earlier in the boil. To some, it can have a strong garlic and onion aroma, which they find off-putting. I never really got that from them. Uh, here are some Citra beers that are out there. Evil Twin, I've always felt closer to IPAs. Stillwater Micro. Uh, Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. Three Floyd's Zombie Dust, which is a very popular one. Night Shift uh, Citra Nation. And El Segundo's uh, Citra Pale. Next one we have on the list here is Mosaic. Mosaic is a designer hop developed uh, from a designer hop. This proprietary hop comes from crossbreeding, <clears throat> excuse me, crossbreeding Simcoe and Nugget, an older American bittering hop. It sports aromas of mango, lemon, citrus, pine, and blueberry. Uh, if you're in the camp who doesn't enjoy Mosaic, you probably pick up on strong vegetal notes. 2,525 acres of Mosaic were harvested in 2016. Here are some uh, Mosaic beers that you might see out there. Uh, we have Ale Asylum, uh, Ballistic IPA, Rogue Yellow Snow IPA, Decendant Ales, Multiflora, Main Beer Dinner, D I a Double IPA, and of course, one of the more famous ones is Alchemist Focal Banger. The next hop we have on this list here is Amarillo Hops. Uh, sometimes a lucky discovery uh, from comes from simply looking down. That's what happened at the Virgil Gampsha Farm in Washington. They were surveying uh, they were surveying the Liberty Hops when they discovered a smaller bine with a yellow hue. This is I'm sorry, I'm really bungling this up here. Once the bine produced cones, they were excited about the unique aroma. The cones, once tore open, were excessively yellow. Uh, that earned the hop its name Amarillo, Spanish for yellow. In 2003, it was unleashed upon the brewing world. It remains elusive as their parent holder controls where they're grown pretty tightly. As such, exact acreage is not known. The USDA estimates it's uh, one of the top 10 hops that are grown. It's renowned for its cocktail of citrus aromas, grapefruit, orange, lemon, along with a fruity bounty of peach, melon, and apricot. And here are some of the Amarillo beers that we have here. We have uh, Green Flash Hophead, Hophead Red, uh, Three Floyd's uh, Gumball Head, Founders Red Rye, uh, St. Arnold's Amarillo Jefe, and that's about it there. Next one we have here, man, this is unbelievable how many are on here. Azeka, developed by the Association for the Development of Hawk, of Hawk, Hop Agronomy, or Agronomy. I'm terrible with words. I can't fucking, I can't even read. Azaka can be traced in, uh, in its lineage uh, through Summit and Northern Brewer hops, as well as a few other hops that were developed in the varieties there. It's Aroma Hop. It's a, mainly an Aroma Hop, and it's a popularity. Uh, his growing it has uh, mango, papaya, orange, grapefruit, lemon, spice, pine, pineapple, grassiness, tropical fruit, citrus, a whole lot of things going on here. Stone Rune Nation, IPA 2.0, uh, Allagash Hoppy Table Beer, Founders Azeka, uh, Oscar Blues, Pinner Throwback IPA are just a couple of them. Here we have another one here, Atinum. Atinum is a proprietary hop named after the location when the first hop was uh, in the East Cascades Mountain in Washington. Again, another one of these beer, uh, a, a proprietary hop, mix of citrus and floral aromas compared to Cascade, but not necessarily the same. Stone Pale Ale uses them. Other half uh, Hop Showers, Stone Go-To IPA, uh, and Brooklyn East IPA. El Dorado is on here. Yukonot is on here. Idaho 7 is on here. Palisades is on here. These are all proprietary hops. 
some of these, most of these have been on the show. We've talked about them on the show, and and rightfully so. The, these are the the hops that are hot right now. So these 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 acreages, I mean, these uh, people who grow these hops, put them under a very strict um, lock and key, so they cannot be replicated, and that people cannot get out there. And because I mean, if I could grow these hops, I would do it myself. Correct. Never having to go out there and buy these hops is great for the home brewer, especially if you could already co- recollect your, you could reclaim your yeast and store it. Now you grow your own hops. You just go get cheap grain because grain is really not that expensive. And, uh, you know, you're going to be brewing a delicious, you know, seven gallon batch of beer for under what, f- uh, 17 bucks? Hell. I mean, it's a premium. These these hops are fantastic, and and uh, we really like them in our beers. Hey, you know what? I was uh, I was gonna go out. I'm gonna go out of order here because I was gonna read. You have to understand. I break this show up, right? I'm gonna read this article first. The beer news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, not totally COVID. So that's some good stuff. But here's an article here from modernfarmer.com. And this ties into what we just talked about for the Hop of the Week segment. This is by Alex Robinson. And it says here, the allure of hops turns sour for some Canadian growers. Now, listen here very, very closely, everybody. I had a couple of beers while I was prepping for the show. I am drinking a stout that's 9%. These articles might get messy and sloppy. If it happens, I apologize but that's that's the charm of the show. The host might get a little drunk, and this is darn good. <laughs> oh. oh, Canadian farmers are dropping their crop as American hops have dominated their brews. Doing good, doing good. Dozens of farmers in the Canadian province of Ontario dove into growing hops in recent years, encouraged by an explosion. Of local craft breweries they assumed would be thirsty for local ingredients. But by the time some growers were ready to sell their hops, brewers weren't that interested in what they had to sell. Now, there's a couple things in this article that uh, come to light that I didn't know that I think is pretty interesting, and we're going to get to that. Many growers in Ontario are now sitting on at least two years' worth of inventory and have to sell older hops at a discounted rate. Things have gotten so bad for some farmers in two of Canada's biggest hop-growing provinces, Ontario and British Columbia, that they've decided to get out of the growing uh, get out of growing the product altogether. "Quote: At the beginning, there was a big allure," says Brandon Bickle, an Ontario grower who has decided to shut down his hop farm, Valley Hops, after seven seasons. There are a number of reasons growers blame. Oh, there are a number of reasons growers blame for this problem, but principal among them is the brewers' tenacity to chase the latest beer trends. In recent years, hazy, juicy New England-style India Pale Ales have become really popular, and Ontario farmers simply can't grow some of the proprietary hops that are common in these beers. Hop breeders in the Pacific Northwest have developed have developed proprietary hops such as Mosaic and Citra over the years, and the popularity of these varieties, I felt like I was, I was, that was very jazzy. The popularity of these varieties has caused a huge challenge for Canadian hop farmers. Quote, it makes it impossible for us because we can't 
access those plants to grow, says Bickle. It often takes, now this is the part that got me right here because I found, I didn't know this. So it often takes around three years to get a harvest suitable for commercial sale. Humulus lupulus, uh, also known as the hot plant, is paneri, pene, oh, excuse me, this is going to be tough. Panarial, per, perennial, perennial, perennial? It's amazing that I function as a human being. I can't read. Perennial. And it takes a number of seasons for its roots in the system uh, to establish itself. This can be challenging for new hop farmers. In recent years, many Canadian hop farmers planted the same three or four varieties that were in very demand at the time. But as these hop farms started to get the yields that they were com- that were commercially viable, the beer styles have changed. And those varieties aren't as in demand as they were, leading to an oversupply of those types. Many Ontario farmers grow varieties such as Chinook and Cascade. They've found that many brewers also buy these varieties for cheap prices from American suppliers they have long-term contracts with. Some Canadian growers have experimented with their own feral hops, and some associations that represent Canadian growers are supporting efforts to breed new proprietary varieties for their members. But in the meantime, American hops are dominating the Canadian beer market. Just double-checking that I'm recording, because that would be fucking tragic. Uh, That's a hard uh, reality for Ontario growers who have had to invest a lot into getting their hop operations started. Bickle says making a profit has been impossible for him due to how capital-intensive hop farming has been, uh, combined with a price war that's erupted among growers in Ontario. Some are selling certain varieties of hops for as low as $5 a pound. Bickle says he can't make any money... uh, he can only make money when he sells the, the hops for 17 to $20 per pound. Ontario growers uh, Catherine Crawford and Edgar Ramirez say that they've contacted... Oh, shit, I fucked the thing. They've contacted countless brewers across the province to try to sell hops from their farm, Pleasant Valley Hops. But they're now sitting on a couple of years' worth of inventory. They say that this area uh, is fairly common among Ontario growers. As mid-March... As of mid-March, pardon me... Crawford and Ramirez, who started their first test plot of hops in 2013, they were unsure about whether or not they were going to grow hops this year, as the market has been so hard. Not to mention that we've had this uh, COVID thing. I don't even know that's mentioned here, but it might be. Crawford says that uh, she would like to see the provincial government introduce a special label or designation for beers that have been brewed using a certain threshold of local ingredients. Quote, that's something that's really missing uh, in the craft beer industry, says Crawford. Quote, a brewer could put two pounds in their mix and say, I'm brewing with Ontario hops. <laughs> sort of. Some growers have also been pushing for provincial governments in British Columbia and Ontario to implement incentives, excuse me, incentives for breweries who use a significant percentage of local ingredients, similar to the tax breaks that have been introduced in New York State. Which does happen. Crawford says that these kinds of incentives would make a big difference for local growers and some brewers to... Uh, as some brewers turn their nose up to Ontario hops simply because they taste and smell distinct from the same variety uh, grown in the United States. You know, the article goes on to, to about them, you know, kind of like bitching and moaning about it. But the whole thing about the, the article is, um, yeah, I get it. It's not easy to make it in the world, right? I mean, it's hard, but you're, you're, you're coming out here trying to, you know, you can't force a brewery to make a beer that, you, that they know is not going to sell, Right. I mean, how much, I mean, if you're trying to clone or make fantastic New England style IPAs, you need 
you need those hops. I mean, it's it's incredible to say that. I mean, it, I mean, it's not incredible. I mean, it's just it's so surprising to me that this is this is the current situation out there. You know, and I I just think it's uh, fascinating to me, especially as a beer fan. Now, this next article here, God, this, this is getting tough. Beer sales are soaring, and these are the winning uh, brands of the booze battle here. Okay. This was uh, from CNN Business, written by Jordan Valinsky. This is written uh, shortly before uh, the month of May. Americans' thirst for alcohol has increased since the coronavirus pandemic began across the United States and in mid-March. That's benefiting beer and beverage. That's benefiting a beer. A beverage that's fallen out of favor with consumers that shifted their preference uh, to low-calorie drinks, including spike uh, seltzers and spirits. People who are still buying a lot of White Claw, uh, those have spiked in the past two months. But in particular, Anheuser-Busch sales have increased 44%, according to in-market data analysis firm. Beer frequently uh, runs witty promotions, including enticing people to adopt dogs during the pandemic, implementing price reductions, uh, depending on how much snow has fallen. That's interesting. Other brands have also recorded double record. I mean, they've recorded, excuse me, double digit sale increases, including Miller Lite, Michelob Ultra and Natty Light. They all grew between 14 and 17 percent. Modelo and Miller High Life sales both jumped around 7 percent. Big beer is making a lot of money right here. And in a situation where tens of millions of people are being laid off or furloughed, people are definitely thinking about their wallets. And a lot of people are buying light beers because they're not moving around as much. So a lower calorie beer makes a lot of sense. I don't think people are really paying attention to that part right there. But I mean, you know, if if you're if your work week, if you if your whole week has become a weekend, you're gonna buy more beer because those people are buying those beers on the weekends anyway. Uh so let's see here. So this is the problem with this. Nielsen, uh, they also show that the budget beer came up, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of, like, technical mumbo-jumbo. Craft beer, which is pricier, isn't seeing the same increase in sales compared to its cheaper siblings. Around 70% of sales come from the brewers, tap rooms, or bars, which are both currently closed. That's what he said. So I read this article, and here's what's happening, right? So the Spike Seltzer, you know, they're doing fine. Nothing's happening, right? Here's what I'm worried about. Now, flagship already gotten the jump on the on the seltzer thing, and I'm really really happy about that. And I hope a lot of other craft breweries follow suit because it's important for that. I mean, not to go against craft beer, but it's very important for them to keep their doors open. Okay, I'd much rather them actually do that. You know, make these things and 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 keep their doors open. Look, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm an armchair cicerone. Okay. I'm a craft beer cheerleader. All I talk about is craft breweries, but they're a business, okay? They have a bottom line. My main worry right now, and, excuse me, my main worry right now is that the big boys are going to come sweeping in because they're not, they're making hand over fist money right now. They're going to try to come sweeping in and just gobble up those smaller guys because they're not struggling. And you, and some craft breweries might be uh, struggling. We don't know what what is going to happen at the end of this thing. And that's what worries me as a fan of craft beer because... If if we see a, a dramatic downturn in in, in craft, I, I I think that's going to be bad for for people who are fans of craft and and uh, it's going to suck to see some some uh, some breweries have to close. Again, I really hope that a lot of breweries follow suit with what Flagship is doing because that spike seltzer market is making a lot of money. So if if Flagship can can increase their revenue, 
continue to crank out delicious beers like their Kill Van Kulsch and their IPA and, and the like, you know, it's the best of both worlds. The brewery's open. Yes, they make seltzer. Who gives a shit, right? Who cares? And there's a lot of people that are such purists, and they'll, and they'll say stuff like this. Now, this is from it's a brewlife.com. And this is really cool. Sierra Nevada Brewer Company to help hospital in California perform COVID-19 tests. Right? Check this out. Um, Sierra Nevada announced today that the company will help Chico, California-based Enlo Medical Center, a community-based hospital, a very small hospital, perform COVID-19 testing by producing viral transport medium in its brewery lab. The partnership will allow a hospital to increase availability of COVID-19 testing. So now... This article gets into all the the technicals of of what they're doing with the testing. But I had no idea that Sierra Nevada had its own laboratory. Now, I understand that they carry that craft craft label, so to speak, or that craft. Do they still have have the craft label? I know that they're craft-ish, right? And I guess if I was a brewery, if I had my own brewery, if I could afford to have a fucking laboratory, yeah, I'd do it, right? Imagine they come out with the next best hop and stuff like that. That'd be fucking dope. But they do have a quality assurance lab, and it's a state-of-the-art laboratory. And the brewery founder and president, Ken Grossman, communicated with the health officials of the Enlo leadership to start uh, at the start of the crisis to discuss uh, public health needs and the like. So I think that's just really fantastic. So you really got to celebrate them for doing this right here. And here's here's a quote from um, from Enlo. We are extremely grateful to local businesses like Sierra Nevada that selflessly set aside their own business needs to help address this national health crisis. This is uh, the CEO, uh, CEO Mike Wiltermood. Their support to increase the availability of local testing is one more example of how local businesses and their leaders help support community health. And and now this is actually, this is a Sierra Grossman from Sierra Nevada, the vice president here. says, we're so pleased to have the equipment and expertise to help supply tools for testing. This is an unprecedented situation that affects all of us. We are honored to reach beyond our industry to help our community. We're so grateful for the dedicated and committed healthcare workers on the front line of the crisis. And we're here to help in any way that we can. I mean, that's just really fantastic. So they're, they're opening up their doors to these, to this small community hospital. And that's important right now because um, they're they're the hardest hit in the crisis. I mean, they had to. These are these are these hospitals in order to afford the equipment for the healthcare workers and the and the tools to to mitigate this crisis. Um, it's got a lot of places in the red. A lot of hospitals in the red. So, it, you know, you don't want to see these places close or anything like that. So we're we're gonna see what happens here with that whole situation. Uh, you know, when with hospitals when it closed, but the, uh, Sierra Nevada, big hats off to them. You really gotta look. You really gotta love that. Uh, this is from the NewSchoolBeer.com. Um, I'm just going to end this one on a high note here. The Yakima Yakima or Yakima Chief Hops has presented a check of $117,000 to the Pink Boots Society to provide scholarships for women in beer. Now, I think that's really fantastic because, I mean, it's a nice story about a little bit of a hop conglomerate, which we were talking about, and, and they go in conjunction with a malt conglomerate to, to donate money to a foundation to help bring women into the brewery industry. And now, how nice is that? I mean, that's really fantastic. This doesn't have to be a boys club. We could get the ladies in on here, too. Pink Boot Society is a global nonprofit with a mission to assist, inspire, and encourage women to advance their careers through education. Their donation-based school uh, scholarship fund 
provides educational opportunities in all areas of brewing, from science to technology. The scholarships are awarded on a monthly basis, and the application process includes a resume as well as a letter on how to help their career and how to help and how they plan to pay it forward, PIF. The selection process includes a blind application review with an emphasis on their PIF, encouraging women to spread their knowledge and become leaders in the industry. And we have a picture here of a woman. Um, what's her name here? Sorry, I hit my head on the thing. Uh, Lexi Martin. She's the cellarman at Duckfoot uh, Duck Brewing Company and chapter co-leader of the Pink Boots Society in San Diego with their International Women's Day Pink Boots Blend. That's really cool. Uh, you know, I, I just think that's fantastic. When you see the, the community come together and to get women in beer and stuff, that's just great. I, I mean, all power to women, all power to people who want to be in beer. And that's those things coming together. And what's, what's better than that? All right, so we're going to go on to the beer review right now. Okay. Okay, so I finished the first one. Probably shouldn't have done that, but I did. It's called The Russian. Now, the second one of these beers I kept out because it said that it's optimal temperature for it to be served is at 45 to 50 degrees. And sure, I'll do that. So it's just called The Russian. It's a 9% uh, ABV, and it says, Within this bottle, I got a can here, lies a sleeping giant. We recommend enjoying it in six months or six years. Just like how the man who created it, it should be quietly left to do its work and respected when engaged. It's a gold-winning beer. It doesn't really have that information on here. 9%, 50 IBUs. It's brewed with Chinook Cascade and Centennial Hops. Excuse me. The the beer put Bob on the map. Huge beer with a ton of espresso in the nose and palate. Heavy chocolate and heavy roast. I didn't read any of this before I uh, before I started doing the review. Pouring it out here, it's jet black. Great cascading on the head as you go through it. Um, so now, as you all know, on the Mount Rushmore currently, uh, there's a stout, and it is uh, Lucius. Coming out of from the Alchemist, or Luscious. I, I, I'll never know. Um, I got about two fingers ahead here. Oh, Jesus, I just went over. Shit. Damn it! Oh, I have a towel over here. Great. This happens sometimes. I am a professional drinker, so do not worry, everybody. It will be okay. All right. Professional drinker, everybody. So, yeah, Lucius or Luscious is on the Mount Rushmore. Can it take its place? Let's see. So I got three fingers ahead because I overpoured a little bit. I didn't realize it was, you know, warm. So stupid. 9% 9% ABV. It's a pretty beer. I'm not going to lie. If you're a stout person, if you're a stout guy, stout gal, this this looks the part, okay? Jet plaque, it's a slightly copper head. Um, it's got a fairly vibrant carbonation going on. I really like seeing the activity that's going on at the at where the where the carbonation meets the head. Like they're coming together in this nice conglomeration of delicious stout. I'm going to take a picture of it. Oh, you could see me. You could see me in the picture. All right, so it looks great. I mean, it has all the markers of what you want to see in a, in a Russian Imperial Stout or in a Stout uh, in general. I mean, there are Stouts out there that, that can be on the lighter side. 
I noticed that when I was looking at some of the recipes that um, that I was looking into for for doing my own stout, you know, they don't all have this jet black look to them. And you've seen that yourselves when you drink uh, various stouts. But let's get into the to the smell of this one here, shall we? Yeah. Warmed up a little bit. Okay, I'm getting like a, a coffee. Coffee and molasses, very prominent. Mm. Now, this is this was weird in my initial smell of this, right? I got like a really smoky aroma to it. Not too over the top, but it was so there. Get out of here, you bitch. I just cursed out a box. 9% people. Let's hang in there. Um, A smoky aroma there. It's a very complex nose. It really is. I took about 20 minutes to smell it initially. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't know what the fuck that was. Yeah, it's it's still all there. I smell some chocolate. There's a, a licorice smell going on, which was, again, odd at the time, but... Coffee. It's, it's a good smeller. I mean, it's a good smelling beer. Let's get to the taste, huh? Mm. Same as before. Great mouthfeel. Unbelievable mouthfeel. Very velvety smooth. I could only talk about the mouthfeel first because the flavors are just so intense, okay? First off, the 9% not there at all. So much is happening with this beer. The bitterness comes in late. It creeps in. The 50 IBUs, I say it's it's right on point because it's just not over the top with the bitterness. There's a slight smoky characteristic at play here. And the bitterness is just so conveniently mellow for something like this. The sweetness really comes through, but it's not its not sickening sweetness. So you got chocolate. I got coffee. I got caramel. Ooh. Oh, man. The, there's like an herbal characteristic here going on, but it's not too like... It's not too over the top. Brown sugar, the smokiness, slight vanilla going on. It's like having really great smoked ribs, right? If you if a stout is like ribs, great. Barbecue sauce, there you go. But if you got really good smoked ribs, you got that barbecue flavor, yeah, that smoky flavor, but it's not going to kill you. Unless it's hickory, of course. Mm. The bitterness lingers. There's absolutely no heat whatsoever from the 9%. It's just not there. This is a big, big flavorful beer, folks. I mean, really. And it's absurdly well-rounded. I mean, it's just fantastic. Almost as great as the Lucius. Almost. Great cascading in the glass. I'm a huge fan of this one. And I'm really glad I picked today to have it. Because it's still a little bit slightly cold out. Oh. This makes me want to make a beer that's like 9% too. Like when I do my stout. Because I don't, I don't want it to be any bigger than what I'm drinking right now. So I gave this beer a 9.5. Now, let me tell you, that seems like an, an outrageous score. Lucius or Luscious was a 9.7. It doesn't quite hit the mark there, and I'll tell you why. It may not be bitter enough for the real hardcore Russian Imperial Stout fan. Now, this won a gold medal three times in 2016, 17, and 19 at some plate. What is this called? 
GABF Gold. It's a three-time gold-winning Imperial Stout. Now, like I said, this is a fantastic beer. It's got a 9.5. That's, that is an incredible score. It's probably the second highest scored beer on the show. Excuse me for one second. The only reason I give it... I mean, the reason I give it the 9.5, and I, it's going to be really hard to top the, the Lucius, okay, at a 9.7. How do I get to 9.8? How do I get to 9.9? How do I get to 10? Right? How do I get there? Right? It could happen. And it may be, it may, it could have maybe happened with this. If they, if they adjusted their hop characteristic here a little bit, because, like, it's not old Rasputin, right? Old Rasputin acolytes with their Russian Imperial, there's a bitterness there. There's a kick in the mouth with the bitterness there. Right. This beer presents itself in such a different complexity. It's very full bodied beer. I mean, it's a great stout. I mean, this is a if you were to put Lucius and and this next to each, like the both of them, you would say they're both a home run. You would say that as a beer drinker. Right. Um, but again, uh the the real hardcore acolytes of the Russian Imperial, I don't think they would say like if you put this next to old Rasputin, I think of someone who's looking for like a real Russian Imperial stout, they might go for the slightly more bitter old Rasputin over, over the Russian here by two SP brewing company. But again, I'm, t I'm when I'm, when I'm giving this final thought on the beer, it's almost sounds as if like, I'm, I'm not happy with it, but I am. I mean, the flavors here are just, Fucking phenomenal. They blend together so well. It's one of the most well-rounded beers I've had in a long time. Okay. And now I'm also, I don't want to sound hypocritical or sound, you know, ad nauseum when it comes to stouts because I've, I've, the stouts that I've had on the show, I've all, and I've enjoyed them all. I mean, that's, I don't know what that says about me as a beer drinker. Cause again, I'm just always going to be honest with my reviews. And I think that's important. I think that if it's a good beer, it deserves a good score. A fair score but this one is just it's it's a heavy it's a heavy beer it's a big beer big flavor nine percent the, the fact that there's no heat from that alcohol is just fantastic to me is it a little bit better warmer yeah it is too Ooh. that's pleasant i would love to drink this outside in the snow like just hanging out i know that sounds weird but Great mouthfeel. Really a great beer. I think it's good, everybody. All right, so that's the show. I really appreciate that you guys joined me this week. Um, so I'll catch you guys next week. I ha Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I love, I love my wife, and she's a mother. She's a great mother. I love my mother. If your mom is out there, give her a hug. And uh, if your mom's not with us anymore celebrate them anyway man they brought you into the world we love them wherever they are i love my grandmother she's not here anymore but i love her all the mothers of the world deserve our love and recognition happy mother's day to all the new moms the old moms current moms moms are the best we know that moms are fantastic thank you all for listening um and i'm gonna try to get the store up so you guys could buy some stuff if you want to buy some stuff you don't have to but uh i'm gonna see what i can do Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate you guys. You guys are the best. I have the best fans in the world. Take care, everybody. I'm going to catch you next week. Love you all. <laughs>